What's up? This is your girl, T. As a black woman in her 30s, I'm constantly trying to figure out life. But the one time of the week where it all seems to come together is on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, that's right, when I talk with my girls at brunch over a glass of champagne. I created this podcast to bring good vibes and open dialogue about various topics from mental health, relationships, personal development, the workspace, to the bubbly that happened over the weekend. Sundays are a time for celebration, rest, and reflection. So welcome to Champagne Sunday. Grab a glass, pop a bottle, and get ready to pour it up. Champagne Sunday is pleased to provide you with social media content for your personal education and informational purposes. Reliance on any information provided by Champagne Sunday or by any person or professional appearing on this podcast is solely at your own risk. Hey, 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 welcome back to Champagne Sunday. It's your girl T and we are back for another episode. Did you miss me? Because I really missed you all. I really did. Like, it's been a while. I think my last episode was like April 10th around that time. We have eight full episodes. Can we get a yes? We have eight full episodes of Champagne Sunday. And I need you to go back if you have not listened to all eight. Go back now and catch up and then come back here. All right, I'm gonna give you some time. Go ahead, log off, you know, and then come back because you need to go listen to the rest of them. Catch up. You know what I'm saying? I have definitely been on a hiatus a little bit because I was putting them in. I was like reeling them in. But, you know, some things happen. So I'm gonna be real with you. Um, One thing that happened is that sometimes you just get caught up in life in the day to day of everything. And even though you're still passionate about those projects that you started or whatever you're doing, you just realize, oh, ish, I'm neglecting that. And I realized about life, the things that you're supposed to do, easy, right? Like, if and easy as if, say you put your to-do list in a, in a calendar or a planner, and you're like, okay, I'm going to work out for 30 minutes, you know, I'm going to, um, I go to work, whatever, I'm a meal prep and cook, you know, I'm going to spend XYZ time on this hobby that I have, I'm going to spend time with XYZ person, you know, on the weekend, I'm going to do this. You know, I go to church. I'm going to make sure I go to church on Sunday and I'm going to read my scriptures or Bibles, you know, when I wake up. And so you can have like this dope plan, right? And it could be so simple. Life just happens. This is like, and not even like life happens, like things happen, but something monumental happens. No, it's just life just really happens. The second thing is <laughs> the weather has gotten better. Um, it's springtime. And so on the weekends, there are functions happening. So I remember earlier and when I started this, I was like, you know, I'm staying at home more, but also the weather has not been that great. And now the weather is getting better, even though it's been raining a bit, but people are going outside. There, you know, there was Cinco de Mayo. I had a friend's birthday. There was like graduation season. It was Mother's Day, you know, and all that was just like pretty much in this short span of week. And then there's just been other different little functionings happening. And so it's like, I can't sit still. I can't sit still to do this podcast. So that is the second thing. The weather has gotten better. And the people, we outside, is we outside type of vibe. 
for sure. And so this in doing this podcast is a part of slowing down. Now, granted, I may not always fit it in at the best time, but I think another thing about podcasting, posting on Instagram, like for Champagne Sunday podcast is that have to be consistent. And sometimes I'll be like, I don't feel like doing this. Like social media and content creators, I tell you no lie. I have a new found appreciation for content creators and people who post every day, post reels and their music be going along with the reels and it be in sync. And then they have a whole aesthetic on their page and the colors and the templates and in their stories. I have a newfound passion for people who do that every day because it's not easy. And I remember hearing people say like, oh, I do this for a job. I do this. This is my job. I don't do anything else. And I'm like, oh my God, your life is so easy. This is all you do. But it really is a job. I could see like if I had money that I would hire someone and I'm pretty and I, I and it's not like I'm making this up because I'm now that I'm saying out loud, like, duh, there are people out here who are marketing Instagram marketers and people who you hire to control your Instagram accounts like celebrities do it all the time. But it's really a career like you actually can have someone running or controlling your Instagram page or your marketing or your media or your websites. And it is a lot of work, especially like nowadays. Maybe let's say like when internet was out, like all we had was like MySpace, Facebook. Back then it probably was a little bit easier, but now it's a lot to catch up with. It's a lot. (laughs) Um, So I hope that all of you have um, a libation in your hand that you are sipping on something that is real nice and smooth because we are here for rest, reflection, and relaxation. And what better way to relax and unwind than with a glass of champagne, a glass of bubbly. And so I am drinking champagne, but I added a twist to it, guys. This is a new twist. This this is a new twist that I added, champagne and St. Germain's, which there's a name for it. It's not, it's not a, I think it's called something. I don't know what it's called. There's a name for it. And St. Germain's, if you never heard of it, it's like an elderflower liqueur. And it actually tastes pretty, um, oh, a French 77. That's what it is. A French 77. So it's a French 77 is with St. Germain's and a French 75 is with gin. So I'm drinking a French 77 and I got the idea because I was watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, some old episodes, and Nene kept saying, like, every time in random episodes, every time she would ask for champagne, she was like, can you put a little St. Germain's in there? Can you put a... And I was what is St. Germain? Like, I've seen it before, but I'm like, what does it taste like? And it basically is, like I said, an elderflower liqueur. And if you ever have elderflower, like, tonic water which I've only had because a friend put me on. It tastes kind of just like the tonic water, but it's a liqueur. It kind of boosts your champagne. It's okay. I don't know if I would drink it like all the time. It's different. It's better than, you know, You, I like to switch it up. Not always having a mimosas. And I don't like gin. I can, oh, I cannot do gin. It's good. Now I want to know what they would call champagne and tequila. Because champagne and tequila actually is real good. Like a champagne margarita? Mm-hmm. Two stuff. <laughs> So that's what I'm drinking, guys. So again, hope that you are settling in and that you are drinking that is smooth and relaxing and it's helping you unwind on this beautiful Sunday. I don't care if the weather is 
it's snowing, it's rainy, it's cloudy, it's a sunny day, doesn't matter. But on Sundays, we know that we have the rest, relax, and reflect. And so that's why I always say it's a beautiful Sunday. It's a time for us to close the end of the week and start anew. And that is always a beautiful thing. So going in, because since we just cheers, we talked about our libations, we're going to go ahead and go into a bubbly. Our bubbly today I like it because I've, I've really been seeing this a lot with my clients, my adolescent, female adolescent clients. The one that I really like that I'm going to share with you all today. Okay, so the affirmation that I am going to share today, I had a, a little hard time finding it again because I read it wrong the first time. So I'm going to read it both ways. The first way that it's actually written, it says that, I allow people to show up for me. I allow people to show up for me. That is how the affirmation is written. However, when I first looked at the affirmation and not even like, you know, sometimes you read, but you read too fast. I read it as I am allowed to show up for me. I am allowed to show up for me. That's what I saw. I am allowed to show up for me. But it's I allow people to show up for me. But I'm going to focus on I am allowed to show up for me. I, I like that one because I think before we even can get to a place where we, and you know, sometimes it's easy. Well, I'm not even going to say that because sometimes it's hard for people to ask for help. But I really think that I found, and again, just thinking about my clients, is that showing up for yourself is sometimes the hardest that I realized a lot of times I will hear clients say, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to upset them. I didn't want to say, you know, what was on my mind because I didn't want to upset that person. Or I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to make that person uncomfortable. Or I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to make it a big deal and make a whole bunch of drama and a commotion. And the thing that gets me is that in them saying that, it's that you are also saying my feelings and how I feel do not matter when it is compared to someone else's. Other people's feelings and how they feel matter more than however I'm feeling in this, in this moment. So even if I am uncomfortable, I will close my mouth. I will not say or state or advocate for the fact that I feel uncomfortable by whatever someone else is doing because I don't want to upset that person. And I think that is a dangerous space for young girls to be in because I feel like it it's a space where anything can go. And both of the situations that I've talked to my clients about this have been situations that involve the opposite sex of, of whom they're attracted to and that the opposite sex doing things that makes them feel uncomfortable yet them not feeling confident enough to speak on whatever is making them uncomfortable because the fear of looking crazy or the fear of being rejected, the fear of saying or talking negatively about them, the fear of someone else being upset. It's just all of these things. And I'm like, wow. So that really means how you being uncomfortable is okay. Like, but even though it's not, you're telling yourself that me being uncomfortable in this moment, that I can get through being uncomfortable in this moment 
as long as this other person isn't upset or as long as I don't ruffle or make this person feel upset. It's like you are taking all of the, the, the attention that you're supposed to be giving to yourself and your feelings and projecting it and giving it to someone else who honestly don't deserve it. Because if someone is making you feel uncomfortable, if someone is being rude, if someone is being disrespectful, then they don't deserve for you to protect their feelings. They don't deserve that protection. They haven't done anything to earn it. So, and and, and it's honestly, and it's not people who they consider to be like friends are like, oh, you know, I didn't want to hurt my friend's feelings. Like that to me may be more understandable, but no, you don't. You don't do that, and it's and it's been a um an ex- exploration of like self advocacy and setting boundaries and being okay with saying no, regardless of what the reaction art may be. And I think it's so important, just as women, whether you're a woman of color or you're or you're not, that women are able to set boundaries with men. Particularly, I'm speaking about this uh, with men, um, with all people for sure, but with men, especially at this age, I think that you're able to, I think that's a tool that you learn I, and I, that you learn that it's okay to set boundaries. Like, because if you don't, if you feel uncomfortable, you know, there's no telling where someone may, may go with you because you're, a and Again, I, I I find myself sometimes conflicted with teaching this this or trying not to teach it because then as a psychologist, I'm not supposed to like teach. I'm not really teach in the fact of like preach, like lecture. My therapeutic approach is where I ask a lot of Socratic questioning or open-ended questions to get people to open up their mindset and think about things differently. And so they can piece things together and come up with these things on their own, even though technically I know what I I want them to be thinking and I I could just tell it to them. But everything is so much more profound when you discover those things for yourself or you're able to connect the pieces. It's different than if someone was just preaching at you and telling you this is what you should do versus when you engaging in self-discovery and like, oh, wow, this is what I should do. And so I find myself conflicted because I want to be like mentorish. And so I, I kind of balance the line. Sometimes I do. Although, again, like I was saying, like in today's time, there is a lot of victim shaming um, when it comes to women. And and so even like thinking, and I didn't even mean for this to go into it this deep, but, you know, we're here. Think about Meg the Stallion, right? And this whole Tory Lanez thing. And so now there's like all this new evidence that is coming about. And it's new evidence now that maybe the scar or the mark, and it's probably changed by the time this comes out, um, on her foot was now um, done by broken glass and not it wasn't a bullet wound. And now people are like, see, I told you, Meg was lying. And then the interview that she did, it also brought about a lot of questioning. And people are like, see, I don't think she's telling the truth. I only say use this example because I think it points out the fact that a lot of times people are quick to shame the woman and victim blame and say that she's lying. She wants money. She wants attention. She wants this. And so when I have these conversations with my clients, I try to say it where it doesn't sound like I'm blaming them. Like, 
like you should have stood up or you should have self-advocated or you should have da-da-da or you should have never you should have told him to stop. Because sometimes in the moment those things aren't as easy. It's a lesson of knowing I can set boundaries. Now, granted, people you can set boundaries and people can cross them, right? And people can disrespect your boundaries. And and that's another level of things that sometimes women go through that you we set boundaries and and people push them and push them and push them because they feel entitled to do so. But I think it's entry level when you have young women who are just afraid to even set the boundary to begin with, right? So it leaves up, it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. And if there aren't women and men teaching their sons about consent and asking for permission and reading the room and body language and social cues, even if, you know, and just reading and not, you know, always thinking with the the second head, not the first one, then I feel like a lot of a lot of sons don't get that 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 lesson right They're, they may be lacking and so if we have i would say and i always like to come from it because it's it's our children it's our teens so if we have a son who hasn't had the lesson about consent we have a daughter who hasn't really been taught about setting boundaries and being okay with advocating for what she feels is uncomfortable then it's like wow where could things go just because i'm curious for the the son could just be like, oh, I, I wasn't really thinking about I was hurting her. And then also the daughter who's like, I just, I was afraid to say it because I didn't want to us- upset him. I didn't want people to say this about. I just, I just think it's like, I don't know if it's making sense how I'm articulating it, but I think that it is so profound how these lessons that we teach our youth is important, whether we're teaching our sons about consent and we're teaching our daughters about setting boundaries and, and being okay with saying no. And I don't know what that is where I feel like it's a it's a good thing to just dissect in therapy, whether you're a young woman, you're old, middle age. Because a lot of us have trouble setting boundaries. We have setting t- trouble setting boundaries and saying no because we're always thinking or perceiving what the other person is going to say. But if you are thinking about what the how the other person is going to respond to you setting the boundary and you say okay fuck it i'm not going to set the boundary because i don't want them to respond a certain way you are one placing their feelings above yours and two you're also engaging in a thinking trap because you're jumping to conclusions we don't know we never know how someone's going to respond just to let you know and a lot of times we engage in what ifs what if he does this what if that person does this you're jumping to conclusions, which is one of um, a main thinking trap or another word is like an irrational thought that sometimes we can have. We can jump to conclusions and think we can predict the actions and emotions of others when in reality we, we cannot. So anyways, I just want to say that that was how I read the bubbly only because it up to me. But I am allowed to show up for myself. I am allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do that. Don't ever think that you can't show up for you. I'm allowed to show up for me. You are. You're always allowed to show up for you. Because sometimes you'll be the only person who can show up for you. Advocate for whatever it is that you want in life, whatever it is that you feel is uncomfortable. Yeah, cheers on that. Cheers to advocating for yourself.
All right, so the second part of the show, I'm expecting that you all have caught up on the episodes, right? You went back, like I, I said in the beginning, you went back and you, you caught them up, caught up, yeah. And you know, we had, I think on the seventh episode, we talked a lot about um, let's not, like let's not use those words, let's not use like gaslighting, let's not use narcissistic, let's not use bipolar, let's not use all of these words because they mean things, right? And sometimes using mental health terms and properly can increase the stigma of those words. And it's funny because lately, I don't know what it is, I've been seeing gaslight everywhere. Like I see it everywhere. It was a recent episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. It was very prominent in the episode. Um, and I still was kind of shaky on if her husband was gaslighting her or not. I felt like there was some, but for the most part, I also just felt like like they just have really, really bad communication. Like they they're they're someone I think needs to come in and just break down their communication. But anyways, if you haven't watched Real Housewives of Atlanta, you probably have no idea of what I'm talking about. But if you have, then you know, hit me up in my DMs. Let's talk about it. Because I been wanting to talk about this because I think it's, it's a really interesting conversation. But anyways, aside from that, the whole reason why I bring up gaslighting and those things, because again, focusing on mental health language or terms that increases stigma and is used improperly. And so one of the things that came up recently with me and I, what was the, I don't know what I was doing. Was I, I think I was, oh, I was on Instagram and I saw a red table. I said, I saw red table talk and it, there was a, um, a video of red table talk. And so as you may know, um, cause this was a big thing. Um, Miss USA 2019, Chesley. She um, committed suicide on January 30th of this year, and it was in the news outlets and everywhere because she was such a prominent voice and I think person in the in the media. And she was a standout, very beautiful, very outgoing. It was shocking, I think, to a lot of people that she would commit suicide because of those things, because she did not, and we're going to get into this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, that she didn't appear to be outwardly mentally ill you know to the outside observer she looked like she had it all together like everything was great like her life was perfect so a lot of people were shocked by the news the news of her suicide and so because of that a dominant phrase came about called high functioning depression that dominated the conversation on social media and the news everyone was saying that um, she suffered from high functioning depression and I saw the clip with her mother talking at on red table talk and her mom used the term and everyone in the comments were also saying that, yes, it's just you have to really be careful. People can appear that they're okay and that they're doing well and, th and they're not. People like, I go about my day all the time and people don't really realize that I'm sad or I have, you know, depression. And, you know, just because, you know, you can go about your day and people don't know. And so a lot of people, they were like, high function depression is real. And I just had to pause and, hmm. I had to think about it for a minute. You know, we, again, last, that seventh episode, we pulled out the DSM, right? Which is a diagnostic statistic manual for psychologists. And whenever we are diagnosing 
we use this manual as kind of a guide and it gives you like the criteria for depression or whatever it is and it kind of breaks it down right and a high functioning depression is not in the dsm-5 it is a colloquial term that has grown in popularity in recent years. Although some people have mixed feelings about it, I really was like, "Ah, oh, guys, this is not this is not the this is not the judge. Like we really shouldn't be saying that it's high functioning depression because the phrase really I think ignores the fact that depression can look like different things, right? I feel it, I feel like sometimes it could also exasperate sometimes maybe the shame and misunderstanding about mental health and depression because depression can definitely look like, you know, someone is sad, they don't want to go out, they they're in the bed, they're tired. It doesn't always look like that. Depressive episodes come sometimes in in phases. A major depressive disorder, usually a depressive episode lasts about 2 weeks. And then the person may, you know, return to their normal day to day, or they may not seem as depressed. And then there's others who may have more persistent form of depression where they have longer spans of depressive episodes over time that don't really like wade or fade, you know, don't really um, wane like in major depression. It may be more persistent or longer periods of time. Then there are also people who have bipolar disorder which is also a form of depression where they are having manic episodes along with depressive episodes. And so the manic episodes, if anyone has ever watched Euphoria um, and looked at Roe, it may be in that first season where she was acting as if she was a detective, where you have like this grandiose self-esteem. It could also be associated, I think, before, like I said, with Kanye West where a person, they may have fleeting ideas, they may not get much sleep, they may have very high energy. Sometimes people are so such in a manic state that they may have to be hospitalized. Then from the manic state, they may come down, right? And so again, a lot of times people think of bipolar like, oh, she's one way this, this day and another way this day. But that's not really bipolar. That's again, another way that we are misusing mental health terms because Bipolar doesn't necessarily mean that you're having mood swings. That's not what bipolar means. And so when we think about high functioning depression, definitely is, again, it's a non-medical term. And because of, if we think about it, that I believe, even though some people can say that they think that it is helpful, I, and I'll talk about that side, I believe that it is not as helpful because it reinforced kind of this shame about depression. So I think when we're saying like, oh, she had high functioning depression. She didn't just have depression. She had high functioning depression as if it gives like this glorious, like cloak over the, over the, the hard truth that she had depression. She was depressed. Right. And so I think people are so shocked to believe like, oh my God, she had depression, but it should just be a thing. Like you can have a medical illness, like you can be sick and, and you can be glamorous and you could be sick. And so I but I think people put this oh high functioning over as like a, a glamour, like a like it's something that looks different than regular depression. And it and it doesn't. Depression is depression, even though there are, like I just named, there's different types, but at the end of the day, that person does still have those symptoms of maybe being stuck in bed, of being fatigued of not of the loss of interest in things. 
They may not show it consistently for the whole world to see because maybe when she was doing certain things or had interviews or was talking to the press that she was able, she wasn't in that state. We also don't know what it took for her to even get to the red carpet or to get to the events that she had. We didn't see the before. We only just saw what it looked like when we saw it in pictures and magazines. And so I think high functioning just makes it seem as if that person, it just seems a little misleading. Like it, it doesn't take that into account sometimes the low side of depression. It just makes it seem like you can just be riding on a high. And I think I, I, I read this in the Washington Post about um, a great way that they described why high functioning depression, why it can be misleading and is not helpful and can increase stigma. Before I get to that, I do want to say that there are some people, and this was in the Washington Post. Um, if you want to check this out, this article was called, What Does High-Functioning Depression Mean? We asked experts. Um, it was published February 17, 2022. Some of the experts did say that they believe that saying high-functioning depression um, highlights the importance of people talking about mental illness, that it, it gets the name out there. Uh, even if it is not a uh, actual diagnosis, diagnosis, <laughs> it also helps um, people to just be aware that it, it gives awareness. That was the other side of it, that it can just help someone know that they're not alone, that other people can do this, that. And it also, I think they said, gave some idea that you can be active in some states and be depressed. Depression looks different, that it's on a spectrum. And that even if you are productive, you make six figures, you have a big house, a nice car, you can still be depressed, right? And so I think it just said that it it normalized, I think that's the good word, it normalized the fact that a lot of times people aren't feeling like themselves and they suffer in silence. But now I guess when people say, oh, it's high functioning that they can say, okay, this is why I can still get up and work because I have high functioning depression, which I get that. I, I get that it can normalize it, but I'm still on the side of, I, I really think that we have to be careful with these things because it really can be misleading. And in a way that it can be misleading, and I think this is like maybe one of the best examples that the article highlights. This person, I think his, his name is Matthew Rudolfer, uh, program chief at the National Institute of Mental Health. Hey, shout out. I used to work at uh, NIMH. Great experience. Great time after my uh, bachelor degree, an undergrad. But uh, anyways, off topic. But he said this is what happens. Um, you use high functioning as a descriptor, it can be lead misleading because it doesn't take into account the effort it takes to function. And he gave this wonderful example. He said, if every car on Connecticut Avenue is driving along at 35 miles an hour, but one driver has to push the gas pedal to the floor to maintain that, to the outside observer, all seems well, right? Because they're keeping up with everyone, 35 miles an hour. However, they're trying too hard. It shouldn't take flooring the pedal to go 35 miles an hour. And I thought that was the best example because I was like, you're right. Because uh, again, if you're saying high functioning, people are thinking like, I'm skipping in a field of flowers, but I'm depressed. But the fact of the matter is, is that you may be skipping in the field of flowers, 
with everyone. But how much effort did it take for you to get to the field? How much effort did it take for you to get out of bed that morning? How much effort did it take for you to practice hygiene, to take a shower, to wash your face, to brush your teeth? Did you say, F it, I'm just not going to brush my teeth. I'm just going to go ahead and go because I just don't have the energy. How much effort did it take for you to smile in, in your coworkers' faces and act like you were okay and laugh at their jokes? How much effort did it take to over the weekend to go to your friend's birthday party when you really didn't want to go? How much effort is it taking for you to maintain this facade? And a lot of times I show my clients this video of a for depression and it's a video of a man and he talks about having this black dog and the black dog is depression. And he's like, the black dog follows me everywhere. Everywhere I go, the black dog goes. Even when I try to hide the black dog, the black dog is still there. Even when I try to ignore the black dog, the black dog is still there. He said it was, it was only till I confronted the black dog that I was able to, to control the black, that the black dog decreased in size and it wasn't as big as it was. And that even though the black dog is still there, today is not as big and it's not as noticeable. And I always think that that is important to know because sometimes depression doesn't go away completely. Um, I had a conversation again with another client about realizing that you do have depression. It doesn't define who you are. You are not your depression, but it is something that you have, that it's there. And when you accept that you are depressed, when you accept what that means and that you'll have ups and downs, it'll be easier to go through them. It'll be easier. My client was thinking that if I just didn't succumb to my depression, I would be fine. I just got to stay strong and not succumb. But that is actually the opposite. It is the opposite. You have to actually face it, confront it, talk about it, go to therapy for it. Treat it with medication. Use your support system. Use self-care routine. Like I said, acknowledge it in talking about it, saying you have depression, realizing your triggers, your warning signs. When is depression worse for you? Noticing the patterns of your depressive episodes. When do they usually come? Knowing that they will come and it is okay if they come. These are all tools and tips that can be learned when receiving therapy. Um, as it is a part of your therapeutic treatment, as well as just your journey and your progress when you are consistently working in therapy and going to therapy and trying to overcome your depression and learn more about it, then you can see, maybe see progress over time, or at least become better understanding of what depression is and how it's personally impacting you. Because again, it impacts everyone differently and depression can be on a spectrum. So now I'm going to play a clip of me and three of my friends as we are waiting in the car in a McDonald's drive-thru. And again, we have, we have some of the best conversations um, after our nights out and very um, engaging. So the conversation picks up in the middle of a discussion that we were already having but we are still talking about high-functioning depression, celebrities with depression, and we also 
mention Chesley and her suicide. And so um, it jumps right in. It's kind of rough, but it is definitely on the same topic. So here we go. Take a listen. I'm just saying, like, what if people are actually having it? And, like, but, but it, just you, because it's not a diagnosis in... in but it, when you say, how, what do you mean by having it? Like, If that's what she, like, legitly died from? But if there's no operational definition of see, having that, then, see, like... See, this what, is why I didn't have a So when you say, when you say, like, definition of having it, but I guess my thing is just kind of like... So, because... It, okay, I'm sorry. That was very rude. I apologize. I was just kidding. No, 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 but, no. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm just saying, like, like, there's a lot of things that we're just, like, now realizing. And like that is just like coming up to the like to the forefront. The world, like exactly. The so just because you've I, never heard I of that, God, I think that's dangerous. Normalizing a word that does not exist. So when that's you why? Right, so when, be, why would be when you say high functioning that almost like separates or it, it creates a dissonance of like it's, it's not just depression. Yeah, you know what I mean? Depression other. is depression. It yeah. may look differently it's when we talk about symptoms, other. right? But depression you, doesn't have to be sadness. It but high functioning could be like on a celebrity but, style though. But here's the thing. See, that's here, the thing. That, you see what you said? You celebrity, celebrity style. Status. So like Yeah, what is that? Did I say something well, wrong? But either, not, but listen, listen, but, either way you like you said, you either depressed or you or you're not. It's, yeah, it's not, but just, but just, can, but just think about like how celebrities like are always in the forefront. Like, they, like nobody cares about what me and you are going through. Cause but it's the same but, thing. It is the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, essentially it's the same thing. That's why. That's what. It, that's the. Point. But like they have like millions of people coming for them, where we just have like it's family right. members or friend or close friends coming for us. But it's still the same. They feel the same way that you feel. They just have more people and when you, who know them or who are or who have like who are like have opinions on them. So when you say high functioning, it just again it creates dissonance in terms of that's only what celebrities like, you know, right. To be They're able to function and have depression on a day to day, that's actually like not a great thing. Like <laughs> No. It's, it's I don't think anybody wants it though. No. I, like I'm hearing your point, but when we when you slate that as like it's a separate term, like that, then again it creates dissonance in terms of that's not you. You and Drake could be going through the same shit. That I, doesn't mean that Drake. I don't has think a, we could though. Yeah, like, 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 like maybe, like, like maybe the depression. That's and that's the, the and that's the point. That's the point. Yes, you that you and Drake could also be having depression. But you think he cannot because he's, he's earning millions. Because, I guess, yeah, I guess, right. I guess what I'm saying. I guess what I'm saying, like, don't okay. let the high functioning fool you. I guess what yeah, I'm saying is like, pretty much. Drink. Okay, so that was the clip again from my friends, <laughs> and we were like in the McDonald's drive-through. But the thing that uh, really stood out for me was like, don't let the high functioning fool you. And so again, don't let the idea of someone saying that I have high functioning depression or I, you know, or a celebrity being depressed fool you to thinking that it's different from what maybe anyone else would be experiencing. If you are depressed, you are more than likely experiencing symptoms that relate to having a depressed mood that relates to having a diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities. You may see a difference in your weight or you may weight have weight gain or weight loss. You may have difficulty sleeping or you may not sleep at all. You might see have feelings of worthlessness. You may have lost energy or fatigue. You may have the diminished ability to think or concentrate. You might have reoccurring thoughts of death or even plan or attempt suicide. 
You may even have clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. And what that looks like may not always be visible to all your millions of viewers or your family members or anyone. Depression is really, really can be, it's easy for a lot of people to mask depression. And when we say high functioning depression, we mask it even more thinking that it is only something that maybe a celebrity can have, or even thinking that it doesn't take effort for that person, even though that they are functioning. Yes, they go to work, but how much did it take for them to go to work? Yes, they are showing up to red carpet events, but how much did it take for them to show up to that red carpet? What is it taking from them to even be at that, you know? And a lot of times celebrities go through, celebrities especially can self-medicate. And I'm not saying regular people don't, but a lot of people with depression self-medicate, whether it's through marijuana, coke, whatever the vice, alcohol, whatever it may be. And sometimes that those self-medications can help per, a person feel like they're normal. Or even if they don't feel like they're normal, can at least appear like they're normal or they're going through it. I think Euphoria, and if you watch Euphoria on HBO, I think you have. If you did not look at Euphoria from Rue's perspective, if you can think or name, like when you were in high school, or if you're in high school now, or like if you have kids who are in high school, about how many times you saw the kid who was like Rue and didn't pay any attention. Like you never was like, oh, that kid is depressed. You were just like, oh, that kid is like emo or. They just act that way or the cat, the ch child is shy or they're, you know, they're fine. You know, that's just kind of maybe their style or their aesthetic, but they're not really depressed. They're okay. Cause Rue goes through, goes to school every day, which what, what it looks like. But most people would say, oh, someone who is depressed, don't go to school. They miss school. They stay in bed. And so I think it's important to, again, highlight the importance of what that actually looks like when we're thinking and discussing depression and that it can look different for everybody. It is definitely a spectrum, but just because someone is high functioning on that spectrum does not mean that they're not also experiencing those lows, that we can't cover that up. We can't cover that. Up. Um, so that is my little soapbox for today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. I really miss being on this mic and talking to you all about mental health, talking to you all about the day-to-day, -day, and enjoying Sunday by drinking champagne and reflecting, relaxing, and I and resting, of course, resting is important. And I just pray that you have a really great week going forward, that you pour into yourself. I feel like this week for me... I am hoping to pour into myself um, by listening, not just to others, because I think I listen to others quite well. I think I do that well. <laughs> but listening to myself, listening to my body, listening to my warning signs, listening to what my body may be telling me, whether it's I'm tired and I'm still up doing things, whether my body is saying that, you know, like I need to rest or that maybe I have some energy and I need to use it and work out. I'm just going to try to be more in tune with my body and what it's saying. I'm going to listen 
And sometimes listening also means listening to your intuition, that little voice that sometimes tells you things that you may ignore. Sometimes people will say that's God talking to you. Some people say it's intuition. But I think that I know when I listen to that voice, good things do come about. And so listening to my body, listening to my voice, my intuition, my mind, listening to God, all of those things. And so that is how I will be pouring into myself this week coming forward. I hope that you pour into yourself this week and that you find something that can make your week just a tad bit better, even though through all of the negativity that may that you may experience through a week, even if you're thinking about last week, there's always a positive moment. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel or even a light in the tunnel. Like there's always a flicker, a flick or something. There's something there that you can hold on to until you get back to the end or back to that good positive moment or that 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 goodness that you're looking for. And so I I pray that you find that and I pray that you you pour that into yourself this week. So again, thanks for listening. This has been another episode number nine. I'm celebrating myself. Number nine, the ninth episode of Champagne Sunday. Thank you again for supporting. Check out our Champagne Sunday um, Instagram page, Champagne Sunday podcast. Like comment if you listen to this podcast and you talked along because i know sometimes you'd be talking along in your car please go to the page and make a comment i'll make sure i have some new posts for you to comment under and i will see you next sunday for sure next Sunday i got a special treat i'm going to be talking with a friend about dating online dating to be exact because I know y'all been listening to these hinge voice memos <laughs> that these guys have been uh, leaving on hinge. We're going to get into it. All right. So I will talk to you next week. Love you. you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or text HOME, H-O-M-E, to the crisis text line at 741-741. These services are free and confidential.